Welcome back, everybody, to Seize the Podcast for a ninth episode. On this podcast, we have business conversations with ocean people. Today, I'm meeting with Mike Lamagna. He is the founder of Long Wharf, a fashion brand making knitwear out of recycled oyster shells. I chatted with Mike about many things, including his personal background growing up on the East Coast, why did he jump into the entrepreneurship route, and how did he end up on the show Shark Tank with his sister to present Long Wharf. I hope you will enjoy this very honest and fun conversation I had. Have a great episode. Awesome. So welcome, Mike, to Seize the Podcast. You're the founder of Long Wharf Supply, which is a fashion brand making um, sweaters out of recycled oyster shells, recycled water bottles, and natural lens wool. Before we jump into uh, your company story, I'd love to hear more about your personal background. Where did you grow up? What did you study? And what's your connection to the ocean? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thanks for having me. Um, Big fan. Love the fact that you guys are kind of amplifying this conversation. So excited to be here. Um, as you mentioned, I started the Long Wharf Supply Company. Um, we launched the Seawell Collection in 2020, which is our line of sustainable knitwear, um, which with every purchase, we reseed coastal oyster reefs to help improve water quality in the places we love most. Um, Grew up north of Boston in a town called Andover, Mass, and was on our, our family's boat literally days after I was born um, in the Merrimack River up in Newburyport, Mass. So had a really strong connection to the ocean um, right away. You know, we grew up, our fondest memories come from, you know, fishing with family and friends or pulling a boat up to a sandbar and going for an afternoon swim in, a, in the summer or, you know, even kind of the stormy days where you look out at the horizon and, and start realizing, you know, how big our oceans are and how powerful Mother Nature is. And um, just something we've always grown up with uh, a huge respect for and, and a passion to uh, be as close to it and, uh, you know, on it as, as often as possible. So what did you study in college? Did you decide to take a route near the ocean or you did something completely different? Completely different. Um, I actually studied finance in school and much like any student or kind of young professional out there, like just picked a degree and like focused on getting a job and kind of figuring out what I don't like. And then you know, it's one of those things in life where you start down a path and, and you kind of gain some experience. And eventually, after kind of years and years and years of uh, working a regular job for most of us, um, I just stumbled into an opportunity to kind of pivot and start my own thing. Um, right after school, I moved to New York City, worked for an entrepreneur and investor who had started a number of really successful uh, fashion, retail, e-commerce concepts. And I was just kind of a fly on the wall. I was doing a lot of finance, operations, accounting work. and um, But to be in kind of a creative early stage environment where we were not only looking at investing in companies, but starting them in-house on our own was really invaluable out of the gate. And it just gave me perspective on a world that not a lot of people get to see or, or know about. Um, and from there, it was just looking at 
all the resources I had gained and where my passion lies and trying to figure out how I could do it for myself someday. That's awesome. That's great. And, you know, getting those experience from different fields, like you were in fashion and finance. Um, so working in fashion, uh, you are working with your company on developing a knitwear, like you're saying, made out of oyster. Um, was that process already there or did you work with material scientists to get the material um, created? How does that work when you're someone coming from finance and not from, you know, that material scientist background necessarily? Yeah. So I think, first of all, I should probably back up a little bit and just the, the first thing, the first reason I started the brand was looking at lifestyle brands in our space especially along the East coast. Um, we all grew up with very specific brands that are big multinational corporations these days. And I just didn't relate to any of them to me, like growing up kind of working fishing boats or kicking around the docks with our friends and actually being on the water and pulling plastic cups or balloons out of the water every single day. I felt like there was a really a, a huge lack of an authentic voice out there and an authentic brand that told kind of everyday seaport stories just because those are the communities that I'm from and, and that I care about most. So I started the brand just kind of trying to outfit the weekend warrior to a certain degree, people who were going from the city to the seaport because that's what I was doing at the time. And I started with making canvas leather bags and accessories that you could just throw on the train or on the boat for the weekend. And after doing that for a couple years, I just looked at it and I was like, man, accessories is a tough place to start because if I do my job correct and make a great travel bag, you don't need another one. So from a business standpoint, I, it was kind of a chicken or the egg and I created my own worst enemy. So for a year, year and a half, we had put a plan together to get into more of a seasonal assortment and start kind of quickly expediting the development of our apparel and kind of fashion line and direction that we wanted to go in, which was just taking, in essence, really kind of high quality, old world, heritage grade uh, materials and functionality and just blending it with a modern style aesthetic and approach um, to the brand. We had met these manufacturers who we were talking to them for a while and they were like, hey, you know, one day they called us to a meeting. We had met them at a trade show and they're like, we're experimenting with these sustainable yarns. One thing that's worked has been combining recycled oyster shells and water bottles to make a recycled filament. And then you can kind of blend it with whatever you want after that, um, because it's so long lasting and, you know, it's moisture wicking and, um, antimicrobial. And there were a lot of technical properties that, you know, they had kind of pitched me. I, I thought it was a long shot. I was kind of like, all right, this is a cool idea. Um, and they had approached me because we were already working with nonprofits and partners um, to fund some of these reseeding or, um, you know, restoration and shell recycling programs. And when the samples came back, it was like 
it felt like the stars had aligned and it was like, wow, we are already telling this story. If we can make really cool, clean, classic products out of this at an affordable price point um, and make kind of the commercial end of it work, then we can kind of combine these two forces and have something really powerful from like a platform standpoint and and a lifestyle brand that actually has like an impact and a quantifiable impact on the communities that we serve and in which our customers reside. So once that kind of all came full circle, I, I knew we were on to something big. That's great. So you work with a supplier. Is it located in the U.S.? Do you know if your oyster shells are coming from, you know, are they coming from a restaurant for, or several restaurants? Are they coming from harvesters? How does that How does that work? It's a little bit of it's a little bit of everything. So we have uh, we have partners that basically, you know, they buy shell from um, big corporate processors and shell re and recyclers. These guys recycle everything under the sun, um, and we just happen to find a commercially viable way to use the oyster shells. So they come from restaurants, harvesters, canneries. Um, all over the globe and we basically consolidate them and and um, you know we have a contract manufacturer in Taiwan that can make all the shell into the raw materials and basically at that point the a super fine dust which basically is the calcium carbonate reducing oyster shell down to a super fine dust goes through an extrusion process with your basic um, recycled water bottles, which at that point are in chip form. And they go through an extrusion process, which basically like laser melts them together and happens to pull, you know, a recycled filament out the other end. And at that point, uh, we've gone through a few different iterations of textile blends, and we're always working on more. Um, but our first blend was recycled oyster shells, recycled water bottles and natural lambs wool. Um, we then iterated into a really nice, light, breathable cotton blend. Uh, next year, we're looking to launch kind of a linen blend. Um, so it's been kind of just a long iteration of trying to t connect all the dots and tie it all together. And it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of test and repeat and check and start from scratch. But you know, it keeps us busy. That's for sure. That's great. Yeah, there's probably a lot of back and forth, you know, uh, on the dev development side. And on the sustainability piece, do you think that from your experience with your brand, how does the public or consumer is um, reacting to that kind of product on the on the market? Are they actually super interested in seeing that story out there or they're more like well it just fit the lifestyle i like the aesthetic of it you know if it's made out of oyster shells recycle good but it's it's not necessarily why i'm gonna buy it do you have any yeah. insight on that i you know i think we get a little bit of both is probably the yeah. honest answer but the first thing we get all the time is people are shocked and surprised like we always hear from customers, they're like, they wanted to support the sustainability initiative. They want to support us kind of pushing the edge of innovation a little bit. 
And obviously the fact that we're able to have a quantifiable impact with every purchase is really where the rubber meets the road in terms of impacting our communities on an immediate basis. But then they get the product and they're like, wow, this just feels like an incredibly soft sweater that we really love to wear every day. And that's the most rewarding part for me because, um, you know, I think a lot of us that are launching sustainable consumer products um, believe that the consumer behavior and their purchasing power is really how we're going to change the world long term. Um, so to make product that people actually like with a story that they want to support, to me, feels like the magic sauce at this point. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, you need, you know, an amazing product that people are actually going to wear and enjoy having in their wardrobe, but also you are and your team are working hard on that storytelling um, and educational component around all of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think long-term, yeah. I mean, I think you, you yeah. kind of start to hook people on um, both ends of that. And it's almost like a two for one deal, you know, where like people love the story and then they get a product they really love, or, They just really want a skull sweater and then they get it and learn about our story and they're like, feel even better about their purchase. So, you know, as long as you can kind of have an impact on, on that and then deliver through the product, um, you know, you're, that's what I think is the really, the most powerful part of this. And it's hard to do, you know, I think there's, I'm sure you see a lot more of it than I do just because you're having the conversation every day, but there's tons of products out there that have a sustainable story that people get. And they're just like, I hate to say it, but like it sits on the shelf or goes into the closet. And that's not really good for us long-term either. So, you know, like I said, to make a product that people really love and appreciate with, you know, the sustainable component that's kind of where I think long-term e-com retail and fashion brands can have success. Yeah, definitely an interesting point. Obviously, we talk with a lot of entrepreneurs who really are impact-driven and who care about the ocean, the planet, making sure that we're, you know, leaving the net generation a better place. But at the same time, I also see so many people around me who order on Sheen almost every week. So it's like there's... I, I don't know if it's two different groups of people or I don't know if it's just people have could one day buy that, you know, sustainable sweater around a hundred dollar price point, but the day after buy five outfits for the same price on Sheen. And yeah. um, I'm hopeful when I see brands like yours that are, you know, putting that story out there and telling consumer why it's important uh, and why should we care. But also sometimes I'm kind of like, oh, you know, well, there's also all of those mass producers that are still out here. So I think it's, we're getting in the right direction. Hopefully. Well, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. And that's kind of yeah. like, we have this conversation all the time and the way I view it personally, and I think there's tons of different opinions out there. I don't think anyone has the kind of secret to unlock it all in one swoop. I, the way I look at it is like, it's a progression and it's a conversation and it will change over time. But if we're the ones having that conversation and educating both ourselves and the communities that we 
you know, live and reside and work in, um, to me, that's progress. And I think it's, you know, I think it tends to be brick by brick, not, not an overnight solution, if you know what I mean. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. And thank you for sharing um, your thoughts on that. So I'd like to chat with you about your experience at Shark Tank. Uh, you went on the show with your sister for Long Wharf. Uh, can you walk us through the experience? How did it go? Uh, what was your idea, you know, uh, before going there? What was your goal? And, uh, you know, what led you to apply to, to the show? Yeah. So it was a very, very cool experience. Let me let me put that out there um, first and foremost. Um, honestly, I think the most impactful piece of getting on the show, uh, besides the exposure, obviously, is the way it made me think about our business. So I feel like oftentimes entrepreneurs and early stage growth companies are you know, you tend to have tunnel vision because all you're trying to do is keep your head above water and figure out tomorrow. Whereas prepping for the show and talking about the concept from a 50,000 foot view uh, was something we had to do over like a six month period. Um, and it made us comb through really every element of the business and answer questions internally to figure out what we really wanted out of this and what we really kind of believed was the way forward and you know how we were set up to scale and and elements of running a small growth business that you just really don't take the time to do when you're in it every day kind of fighting for survival um so that was a really big part of the show like i said very very cool experience we went into it kind of not just interested in talking numbers and a potential deal, but kind of feeling out what the opportunities were. Um, we weren't just there to, you know, pitch ourselves. We really wanted to hear feedback from the sharks and, and figure out, you know, is there a major retail play? Is it opening our own stores? Should we scale direct to consumer? We were really kind of just going out there to tell our story and, and, be receptive to feedback on the concept um, from people who have obviously, you know, I think the Shark Tank show prides themselves on seeing like 80% of the small businesses in America or something crazy like that. Like the amount of applications they get, you know, every year are insane. We actually got really lucky and the show found us through Kickstarter. So that was really a cool element to it. You know, we received an inbound email just to our generic customer service inbox. And I thought it was a joke. I mean, I think I like <laughs> sent it around to our friends and was like, we were all laughing about it. And then, you know, the, the casting producer who reached out had a shark tank, abc.com address. And I was like, okay, I mean, might as well, it's worth a phone call at least. I got on the phone with her and she's like, yeah, no, I'm the real deal. been working on the show for a few years and love your story. Like you should think about filling out the application and going through the process. And, you know, it's, um, it's a big decision because it does take a lot of work and it's definitely not for everyone. Like that's the reality. And we never thought we would air or get on the show. Mm -hmm. Let me just say that we were just kind of like, let's have some fun with this and go through the process. And, 
I think it actually ended up working out in our favor because we just kept everything so light and like had so much fun that I think that's what the producers really kind of appreciated and drew towards. And then you get out there and it's like, you know, someone told me along the way, they gave me a really, really cool piece of advice. They were like, I don't care how much money someone has. I don't care how rich they are. I don't care how many times they've done this. No one knows your business as well as you do. Um, no one on earth. And we just kind of owned that mantra and, and wanted to just tell our story. And But we were, we were receptive to feedback at the same time. And it really became a kind of a powerful um, moment in Long Wharf's life cycle and got us tons of exposure for the Seawall collection. And it was a really cool kind of inflection point for the business. That's great to hear your, you know, your experience from the behind the scene uh, point. We see only the clip that was aired, which was really interesting. But to hear your experience, that's that's awesome. And yeah. while you got an offer, you guys didn't accept it. Can you tell us what the after show was like? Was were your sales totally like crazy? Did you get some mentorship from anybody there? Did you create new collaboration with? new organization, NGOs, other businesses. Um, yeah, just kind of what happened after that. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny, like even after you, even after you film, you're not guaranteed to air. So yeah. you really don't know what's going on for, you know, probably a couple months. And then when you do air, you could air anywhere within the you know, five or six month period of whatever season you film for. So you really have no idea. You're kind of just doing your thing, telling your story and, you know, leaving it up to a little bit of luck at that point. So I think we got an email like two weeks before we aired that was like, you know, prepare your site and everything like you're going to air on Shark Tank. So we had a little, uh, we had a little viewing party at our parents' house with family and friends. And it was, it was pretty cool. It was, um, and it was more, it was really less for me and my sister. And it was just so, it's always been so much cooler for our friends and family that have supported us from the start that just showed up to buy things at pop-up shops when like, I know they didn't need them, but they were there to kind of believe in us and the brand and the long-term vision. And so for them to be like, you know, our friend was on Shark Tank or like my brother or my cousin was on Shark Tank is that's the most rewarding part of the whole experience. Um, so the night of airing, you definitely get a little pop. Uh, you got You get a ton of website viewers. And the cool part is like it reruns you know, every year and you get a little bit of a bump. It's definitely not, it's not a golden ticket. It's not a white whale. It's, it's definitely a nice little bump and, you know, helps web visitors and helps your remarketing and stuff like that. I think the most valuable thing that comes out of it is now it's almost like a club that we're in that no one can ever take away from us. So every single time we show up at a trade show or every pop-up event, or, you know, we we opened a store on Newbury street in Boston just for the holidays last year. 
it's always a conversation point and people love shark tank they love new ideas and kind of following the businesses and so to give us just a little bit of credibility as an unknown and small growth brand is um probably the biggest impact it's it's had for us you know over the last year and a half do you feel like it changed the tone in your conversation with some maybe potential investors, potential partners or suppliers? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think especially on like the supplier front and, and within the industry, I think it's, I think people just think it's cool, you know, and we had even like brands that I've been friends with that are a hundred times bigger than us. Like, you know, even pull me aside at some point and they're like, how is shark tank, you know? So like everyone's <laughs> just got that interest and intrigue yeah. and, and that's like a very cool experience to share with our, our friends and colleagues and stuff like that. And like I said, it's just, it's such a piece of credibility and like conversation piece that not anyone has. And like, literally, you know, you can walk in any room and, and, people understand what Shark Tank is and they want to know about the experience and they know you've been vetted to a certain degree, you know, as a business. It's funny, you know, like I was playing golf recently and like, I just was playing with a few random partners that, you know, there was a twosome that we, I met on the course and, you know, we got to the ninth hole and the guy was like, so tell me a little bit more about your business. And I gave him a super <laughs> quick pitch. I'm like, Oh, like I make like sustainable sweaters out of recycled oyster shells, water bottles and cotton. And, and he's like, man, that sounds like it's shark tank caliber. You ever thought about the show? And I was like, actually, actually. <laughs> we went on like a little over a year ago, a year and a half ago. And he stopped dead in his tracks and he goes, I blank knew it. Yeah. He's like, I knew it. He's like, I told my partner, I recognized you like, huge fan of the show. We watch it every night. And you know, like the rest of the match, he was just like flabbergasted. And like, it was just one of those really fun things that like, you know, it's just a, a, a way to connect with people. That's so unique and so cool for the brand that that's the, definitely the most exciting uh, part of what's come out of the whole experience. That's awesome. Such a great, like experience, like you're saying, and um, that allowed you to make more connection with people as well. So that's awesome. Do you have any tips for someone who would like to start a brand, not necessarily fashion, but that's related to the ocean? Someone who want to be an entrepreneur who has an idea, what's like your, you know, what's your advice for those people? How much time do we got? Oh, we have time. No, <laughs> I mean, um, I think the reality is if I were to give a piece of advice to anyone starting a new brand, a couple things I would start with is one, just start because what you start is never going to be how it finishes and you're going to change directions and pivot a million times, but getting started is number one. Um, the reality is everyone's got ideas ideas are worthless unless you kind of go after them and bring them to life. So just start, start in whatever direction you think you want to. And, you know, just 
start down that path and like uh, attack it relentlessly at the end of the day. Um, and from there, you'll kind of get a sense of where things are going to land and which directions feel right and, and that kind of thing. I think point number two is kind of what we talked about a little bit earlier with, with what I think has been the key for Long Wharf, which is especially if you're looking at a sustainable or ocean conscious business, that's great. But understand that uh, there's a huge difference between starting a business and running a nonprofit. And while you want to have a really big impact on the world around you and the environments that you care about most, you have to understand that there's going to be an element, a business element to it and a commercial aspect to it uh, that you got to figure out and you got to make work alongside whatever impact you're trying to drive at the end of the day. Uh, so if you can kind of nail both of those things, or at least get them, you know, in the same realm, you're definitely going in the right direction, but just know that that's part of it. And then third, honestly, it's just, if you follow kind of what you love and what you're passionate about in the space, um, you won't give up on it. And that's where you're really going to be tested. Like when the hard times come and you run into a brick wall, you know, what it takes to kind of get over and around that brick wall is going to demand a lot of you. And if you find something you're passionate about and care about, uh, you'll never give up. But, you know, I've, and I've done this, you know, I did this to start the business. Like, you know, originally I, my first samples were like, I thought it was going to be a home decor company. And like, we started with like pillow samples and dishes. And at one point I looked around and I was just like, man, I really don't care about any of this stuff. And <laughs> if you don't care about kind of like what you're making or the path you're pursuing, when the times get tough, like it's going to make it really easy to give up. So, you know, just find something you like. And, and that's such a process. But like I said, going back to point one, if you start, then you kind of, you'll be able to figure it out from there and, you know, you'll be on your way. Thank you for sharing those very useful advices. I'm sure a lot of people are listening and maybe they have an idea and they'd like to start, or maybe they, they know the entrepreneurship route is for them, but they don't have an idea yet. So, um, I'm sure a lot of people will be inspired by that. Yeah. So and that's fine too. You know, I think the, the reality is like when your ideas come they just kind of click and they feel right. And like, just pay attention to your gut and kind of attack it relentlessly and, and work on the project nonstop. And eventually things will kind of align and pop for you. Yes. Do you have any important lounge events, special days or, you know, things coming up for Long Wharf that you'd like to tell us about? Yeah, I think kind of a, a big step for us is we recently launched our first official uh, Seawell Summer Collection, which includes three t-shirts for men and three t-shirts for women, which are a really nice, super soft kind of everyday pocket tee, embroidered tee, and Henley tee, which are, are really nice additions to our line for uh, the summer and early fall months coming up. So Recently launched a big pre-order for that. If people want to check it out, um, it's really fun stuff. And, you know, we'll probably deliver July, August and, and just keep improving the line and 
everyone can find our gear at longwharfsupply.com or on Instagram at longwharfsupply. And we're very accessible. We love talking to people, love meeting new people. We're always kind of bouncing around uh, both East and West coasts and doing different events and love meeting people. So, you know, I always tell people, don't be a stranger. You know, we've, we're a customer funded brand and we wouldn't be here without our audiences. And we kind of view the brand as equally as much theirs as it is ours. And, you know, we love hearing from people at the end of the day. Awesome. Can't wait to check those new products out. Last question for you, which is my favorite question to ask the guests. What is the ultimate goal, dream for Long Wife? Man, that's, that's a big one. Honestly, I mean, it really changes all the time. You know, like originally I thought we'd want to build the business and then sell to a partner that can kind of blow up the concept and take it to another level. And, you know, other days I wake up and I think about, If, you know, if I have kids and a family at some point, how cool it would be for them to step into the family business and carry on a legacy um, for all of us. And my brother recently just had his first kid. So I got a little nephew now. And, you know, I think about kind of what our impact on them and their generation is going to be. And so now it's kind of like, man, if we could build out a few stores and have like some summer jobs for these guys when they're teenagers, <laughs> that would be really cool too. So, you know, I think I, we're just trying to keep goals short term right now. And it's kind of to get to the next level. Um, we really want to build out a strong assortment for next spring um, with that linen blend that I discussed. Um, we would like to open up a few stores at some point uh, because we're just, we're in-person people. We love hosting people. We feel like that's the best way that they can experience Long Wharf and our lifestyle in the flesh and in a great place for our community to congregate. So, you know, I'd say that's like a couple really short-term goals. And, you know, as long as we're continuing to fund these programs that have a big impact on restoring oyster reefs and kind of getting our, uh, our impact out there on that front, you know, that's kind of the big goal at the end of the day. I think, you know, part of the numbers that I didn't get to mention yet were, you know, since our inception, we've been able to reseed over 800,000 oysters, which filters 40 million gallons of seawater every single day. Uh, among inshore waterways that we spend a ton of time on and to ensure that those marine habitats are in a good place for the next generation and are, are really um, kind of impacting the communities that we love most in a positive light. You know, as long as we do that, you know, then we're accomplishing our goals, you know, on a monthly and annual basis. So. Thank you. Goals that are aligned with your values as I yeah. can understand. Yes. Absolutely. We love that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, your personal story, but also the long wharf story with us and our audience. Yeah, no, thank you, Marianne. It was really fun to be on here. Like I said, excited to be a part of your conversation and, and thanks for highlighting all these discussions among so many cool entrepreneurs and businesses um, that really care about the ocean and the sea as we know it. So thanks again. Thanks to you. 
Thank you so much to Mike for sharing his story with me today and with you guys. I really appreciate it and I had an amazing time. You can find Long Wharf at Long Wharf Supply on Instagram and also on internet if you're interested in looking at their apparel. You can also find Seize always on social media, Instagram at Seize.co. If you like this episode, please leave us a review. You can do it on Spotify or on YouTube. You can leave stars or thumbs up or a comment. We always appreciate getting your feedback. We hope you really enjoyed this episode and we are looking forward to present you the next one. Stay tuned.